Interesting, isn't it? Because again, we know fear wants to control. Fear wants to, to have that role in our lives. And maybe you can resonate with some of that. Maybe you feel some of that yourself you know, here. Because we know we can look back on our lives and we can all see ways that the fears that we carry have robbed us from the past. Have ha caused us to miss opportunities. We have regrets. We wish we could go back and we can't. See, fear and anxiety wants to control us. And what can happen sometimes with all of us is that the fear that we live with and the anxiety that we experience can become like a low hum, almost like a noisemaker you can sleep to in our lives. It's just kind of this ever-present hum that's there that we begin to not hear it anymore. We begin to not notice it anymore. And we don't really know how to do life without the fear that we feel. We get used to it. Dare I even say we get comfortable with it. That if we didn't have it anymore in our lives, we don't know what we would do. We can't even imagine what life is like set free from the confines of the fears that we hold. This is just true for all of us. And so as I said last week, I'm going to reiterate today, I believe, I'm convinced that there are four principles from Scripture that if we apply these four principles, it's going to make a difference in your life and in my life in this area. Now last week we talked about our first principle, um, and here, here it is. In fact, if you have your bulletin on the back side, you can take some notes here. We've got some fill-in-the-blanks this morning. Uh, this is not a fill-in-the-blank, but here's what we talked about last week. So if you missed the message, you can go back on Facebook or the website or anywhere you listen to podcasts. You just put in New Hope Adele, it'll pull up there. But principle number one is this is that fear dies in your life and in mine when I know God is with me. See, over and over again, and we see in Scripture, God saying, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. And, and he wouldn't command us to do it if in Christ's enabling, we couldn't live it out. So over and over again, he's saying, do not fear. And then what he does almost every time is every time in Scripture he says, do not fear, he gives you the reason why. You'll see it later in the Scripture. I'm not going to highlight it, but you'll notice it when we talk about this verse. It'll be on the screen behind. Because every time he says, do not fear, he gives the reason. And the reason is himself. He says, do not fear. Why? Because I'm with you. I'm with you. You don't go through this life alone. You don't have to fear because I'm journeying with you right beside you. And so it's coming to the conviction that God, that he is both before you, he is behind you, he's beside you, and he is in you. And all that is true. And that we actually live our lives like that's the case. That's principle number one. We apply that to our lives. That's a game changer. This morning we're going to do principle number two. So if you have your Bibles, please uh, turn to the book of 1 John. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 4 or uversion.com if you have a tablet or smartphone. Obviously, you can follow along on the screen behind. Is what we're going to be looking this morning here as we introduce our second principle this morning. Because what we're going to do, what I'd like to do, is take this morning and talk about one type of fear. Next week, by the way, is all about anxiety. All about anxiety. But today, I want to talk about one type of fear. And then specifically, I want to talk about fear of the future. Because that's a major thing that we as people deal with. Not the past, not even what we're going through today, but just as we live our lives, this low hum again, fear and anxiety about what could happen, what might happen in the future. This, this is what we all experience and know about. Here's your first fill in the blank, it's this. It's that fear often comes from a belief of a looming potential loss. That we live our lives and maybe things are going really well for you. And maybe things are just moving along. But sometimes there's this idea of, well, it can't be this good forever. So when does the floor fall out? When's it going to go bad again? 
Or maybe for you, life is such that you, you're just getting hit over and over and over again. And every time you turn around, you feel like there's this new thing that just kind of hits your life. And you're in that kind of a season. And you can almost get accustomed to the idea of, well, when's the next wave coming? Because here it comes. That's just kind of what my life is like. See, either place we can live with this, this just low-grade or even high-grade anxiety and fear of a looming potential loss. Something is going to strike my life. We feel it as adults. Teenagers feel it. Children feel it. We just do. This is, this is what we deal with. Now, studies show that when it comes to the future, thinking about tomorrow, that our fears tend to fall into one of four different categories. That all the things that you tend to fear will fall into four categories. I want to share these four categories with you. And they're filling the blanks here just for you in just a moment. But, but here, here's what I want you to do. As we go through these four, I want you to ask yourself the question, which one of these four, and maybe it's more than one, but which one is me? Which one does really kind of grips my life and this is where I'm at? This is the fear about the future that I'm dealing with today. So let's just go start here. Let's go through it. Here's the first one. Your next fill in the blank. It's just got bullet points there on the left side of your bulletin. Here's the first one. It's self. And what I mean by self is that there's a fear that we often feel about um, that there will come a time in my life that I will be, uh, I will feel insignificant, that I will, that I will uh, uh, feel failure, that I will experience humiliation, that there will be something that happens in my life in the future where people will form an opinion about me that becomes crippling. See, this, this whole area of fear is why, and we talked about it last week, that a lot of times studies show that people fear public speaking more than death. Why? Because all these fears come into play. What if I say the wrong thing? What if I do the wrong thing? What if I forget what I'm saying? What if my fly is down? I mean, whatever it is. I mean, we have these kind of fears in our mind. If I'm up here, I am, I am at risk of being humiliated. And so we know what that fear is like. This is a powerful fear. This is a fear where we talked about earlier with the hospice nurse study, this whole idea of I, my life is shaped based on how I think others perceive me or what I want their opinion of me to be. We all know what that's like. That's crippling. This is because it's a fear of the future of myself and what other people will think of me. This is a big one. This is one we all feel. How about this one? Next one, number two, separation. That oftentimes in life that you and I, we come to a place where we fear that there could be some time in the future when I'm alone, when I'm isolated, when I lose someone that I love or something, that maybe they pass away, that maybe they leave me, that maybe there's a breakup, that maybe there's something that happens and all of a sudden this person that's in my life that means so much to me, they're not going to be there. And I fear that day. I just carry that with me. And sometimes, again, it's strong. Sometimes it's just a low grade. But whatever it is, we fear this idea of separation, of being alone. That someday that could happen. How about this one? Maybe this is you. Autonomy. Autonomy. This has to do with independence. This has to do with this idea that someday 
this would be terrible, but someday I would be in a place where I'm not, I'm not directing my life as much as I am today, but someday I'm going to lose a sense of independence. Like, like maybe this kind of falls in maybe two different categories. Maybe like a, a financial loss, like something will hit me financially, and all of a sudden the things I could have done, now I can't do them, and my life completely changes, and the, the freedoms I had before, I don't have them anymore, and the choices I could have made before, I just don't have those anymore. Or what about a health loss? You go through an experience and all of a sudden, physically, you lose something. And you can't work the way you used to work. And you can't do the things you used to do, and that's a loss. And there's this idea of, I fear in the future that that kind of thing could strike my life, and all of a sudden, I'm limited. And the thought of that is scary. It causes anxiety. And here's the fourth one. Death. We do. We fear it. And this really, I'm talking about your death and mine. This idea of, well, when is it going to happen? And how could it happen? How might it happen? And what happens afterwards? And, and what is that like? And sometimes we carry that, and it's a very scary thing. Death's batting a thousand. So it's coming. And that causes fear and anxiety. These are the categories. Studies show these are typically where our fears, the camps and the categories, if you will, that they tend to fall into. So here's my question for you. Which one are you? Here's what I'd like you to do. With your bulletin there, you see on the right, you'll see some numbers there, one, two, three, four. I want you to rank your fears with those four areas. Number one is the thing for you out of those four that you fear the most. Four would be the thing out of that that you fear the least. It doesn't mean you don't fear it, it just means in comparison to others that you fear it maybe the least. You're going you're gonna to create a hierarchy, or if you will, a fear-archy, okay, with this thing. So I want you to go through and rank these four areas for you and where you're at. For those of you that do sermon discussion during the week, during your small groups this week, you're going to be working on this and talking about your fear-archy. You're going to be talking about the things in your life as you think about the future that most impact you. So go ahead, even right now, just go ahead and take a moment and rank your fears out of those four. Ego, separation, autonomy, death, ego meaning self. Which one are you? As you think about these areas, as you think about the future, principle number two is going to take this head on. Principle number two is going to zero in on these types of fears about the future that we all face. So here's what I'd like to do now. We're going to go to 1 John chapter 4 and look at our key passage here. And hopefully you have your Bibles if you can underline and circle some things. There's some things that are really important in here. So let's go ahead and jump in. 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 15. You can follow along on the screen behind. Here's what it says. If anyone acknowledges or literally confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. Let me pause here real quick. What's this talking about? This is talking about when a person says yes to Christ. When a person receives Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they begin a new relationship with him. And the scriptures say that he comes and lives in, in, in you, and then you are in Christ. This is that abiding relationship that John chapter 15 earlier is talking about. 
In fact, Wednesday night, we had our last amplifier. We're going to be talking about that in the coming couple weeks here. But we celebrated the wrapping up of our year, and there were kids that came to Christ that night. And those kids that made that decision, they, th- this was what happened to them. The, the, the God came and lived in them, and they are now in Christ, beginning a new adventure of following Him. That's what John's talking about. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. Let's keep going. Verse 16. And so, or as a result, we know and rely on the love God has for us. We're going to come back to that. It's so important. God is love. It's who he is. It's his nature and character. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Now here's the key, verse 18. This is what you underline, this is the focus here. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. There's so much in here, but here's the big idea. The part I asked you to just kind of zero in on is this this idea that there is no fear in love, but perfect love, which is God's love for you, does what? It drives out fear. God's love is fear repellent. Let's say it that way. That's what God's love is, is like here, that that's how it works, which brings us to principle number two. Here's the big idea for this morning. Here it is. Next fill in the blank. The opposite of fear, it's love. And now I know, like, you know, I would say, like, well, the opposite of fear would be, like, courage. Or, like, Chuck Norris brave or something like that, right? Like, that's the opposite of fear, but that's not what Scripture teaches. The opposite of fear is this perfect love that God has for you and for me. The opposite of fear is love. Now, maybe you're hearing that and you're like, well, that's cute, I mean, that's like frilly bumper sticker theology, like God's love and it drives out fear. And like, I don't even know what to do with that. Like, what does that even mean? If you're having that thought, I want to help drive this home with another passage of scripture. You can turn there or just follow along. Romans chapter 8 is where I want to go here. Paul's talking because one of the things I want to highlight here is that God's love, there's nothing like it. There's nothing else like it. It is a force. God's love is powerful. I want us to reframe a little bit maybe how we think about God's love in your life and for you. Look with me at Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Here's what it says. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, last week we talked about the idea that fear dies when I know God is with me. See, that God is there with you, that you you can't get rid of him in that sense. And now we're seeing that the question is, what can separate us from the love that Christ has for you and for me? Who who can separate us from that? This is important. See, here's the thing. I think we need to be reminded about what God's love is. Because here's, here's what life is like. Life is like, and, and it's been in my life and it's been in your life too, that the way that love is generally speaking expressed is it's often conditional, isn't it? It's often I love you if. Or it's, it, it's framed as like a performance base. That if you perform good enough, then you're worthy of love. But that is so opposite of what God's love is. The word here, the love of Christ and love throughout all the passages we're looking at is the word agape. 
which means a self-sacrificing, unconditional love. Let me ask you this question. Do you believe, really believe, that God loves you just as much on your worst day as you do as on your best day? Do you believe that God's love for you is as fierce and as passionate for you on the days when you know you're not honoring him? You know, you know your life is off the rails in any various ways. That his love is just the same as the days when you're in his word and you're walking with him and you feel like his presence is so close. Because God's love is not conditional. It's passionate. It's pursuing. It's unrelenting. It never quits. And as we see here, you and I, we can't get away from it. You can't escape it. What shall separate you from the love of Christ? The answer is, is nothing. Now to demonstrate that, Paul, he continues on. He just goes to like some extreme crazy places to demonstrate that God's love is the way we've been talking about it. Let's keep going here. He says this, shall, shall trouble, how about that, or hardship? We know what hardship is like. Do we lose Christ's love and hardship? No. Or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. And as it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. And we're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. He says, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Why? Through him who loved us. We'll keep going here. He says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. That last phrase there kind of covers it all, doesn't it? There is nothing else in all creation will ever be able to separate you, me, us, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what that means. Here's your next fill in the blank, your last one in fact, here it is. Because here's what we do with it. You overcome fear as you are overwhelmed by God's love. Like, you know, you know. The more you focus on your fear, you don't get anywhere. The more you tell yourself, oh, don't be afraid, Ryan. Well, that doesn't do any good. Now I'm more scared than I was before as I'm trying to pep talk myself. We get our focus off our fear. We get our focus on him who is with us and never forsakes us. And we recognize that God's love is the opposite of fear, that his love for me goes to those places I most fear. He addresses them and he conquers them. Let me demonstrate that for you. Remember your fear, Arky? You've got your rank, you've got your items on there. It is the love of God that takes each of those absolutely head on and obliterates them. Let me demonstrate that for you. Maybe self was your area. Maybe for you, self was that area for you that you most feel fear. Maybe it's about failure and humiliation or insignificance or anything of that stuff. See, God's love reminds you that you are valuable to him. You matter to God. And it doesn't even matter what you do. That has zero to do with it. You are loved by God simply because you are you. And he loves you that way. You know what that means? You can put aside and end the exhausting pursuit of trying to be liked by everyone of trying to be accepted by everyone, of trying to live your life in such a way that everyone else, you're just trying to get their approval and hopefully they think well of you. You can put that to rest and be done with it. Look with me, these are some powerful words here in the book of Isaiah. This is God's perspective of you. He says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion 
on the child she has born? I mean, the polite answer is no way. I mean, a mom could never do that. The Lord continues, says, though she, she may forget, that, that is possible, though she may forget, he says, I will not forget you. He said, see, I have engraved you. The Hebrew means tattooed, permanent. I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. You ever wonder how much God loves you? Yeah, we look at the cross, we, we remember the empty tomb, and you could also add this to your list of, a, of an engraved hand. Think of it this way. Your photo is on God's refrigerator. And more than that, it's engraved with permanence on your hand, tattooed there such that he looks at it and he's like, oh, I remember, and I know, and I love. You cannot escape or separate from the love that God has for you. And that love that is so powerful and pervasive, if we just recognize it and live in it, that says, you know what, I matter to God, I'm valuable to him, and I can just be done with the hamster wheel of life of trying to get everyone else's approval. See, God's love takes that head on. How about separation? That's real. Being separated from a loved one, this fear of being alone or isolated someday. But see, God's love takes that head on too because God says to you this morning and to me, I will never, ever, never, ever, ever, never leave you or forsake you. You'll never be alone. You can never separate from me and I'm not going anywhere. Look with me at the next scripture here. I love this one as well. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. Now remember we talked about this before. Why? For the Lord your God goes with you and he will never leave you or forsake you. Some of us, we need to be reminded of this morning. He will never leave you or forsake you. You can face that one head on. God's love reminds you that he will never leave you. How about autonomy? This sense that I could lose someday a sense of independence and control. Well, guess what? You're not in control anyway. So God's love reminds us that you can let that all go. But you know what? The one who loves you perfectly, the one who loves you most, and the one who engraved you on the palm of his hand says, you know what? I love you. I'm with you. I've got you. I'm journeying with you. You can't separate from me. My love will always be right there for you. I love how Job chapter 42 verse 2 says it. It says this, I know that you, speaking of God, you can do all things and no plan of yours could be thwarted. I haven't used that word in a while, have you? Thwarted means stops. I mean, there's nothing that you can do or I can do to stop the plan of God in your life, the things that he wants to accomplish. So you and I, we're not in control. And the future can be scary, but you know what? We know who's already been there to the future and back, who loves you, who knows you, who says, I'm going to walk with you through it all. We've got this. You can trust him in that. God's love meets this fear head on. And our last one, death. Maybe in your fear, Arky, this was number one for you. Maybe death was it for you. And if that's where you're at this morning, the scriptures remind us, and two weeks ago we celebrated that Jesus went to the cross paid for our penalty for our sins, and we know that death is not the end, and the empty tomb proves it. Jesus proved who he is and what he's accomplished. He's conquered death. And so when you take your last breath, that's really the beginning. We're passing through. This is all so quick, and it's over. I love how it says it in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55. It's almost like a pep rally chant. Where, oh, death is your victory, and where is your sting? Because Jesus beat it. He beat death. You don't have to fear it. If you're in Christ, you don't have to fear it. 
The band, you guys can come on up if you would, please, here this morning as we close. I hope this morning, more than anything else, is a reminder that God loves you. I don't mean that in a sappy Hallmark movie kind of love. That's not what I'm talking about. I, I hope you leave here today recognizing that God's love for you is passionate and fierce, is present, good day and bad day. You matter, you have value. But I tell you what, life is hard. And sometimes we just get these messages and it's so contrary to scripture. And we just need to come back and be reminded that God's love is not like the love we give and receive in this world. And to do that, I, want to, I have a gift for you. It's not fancy, it's not much, but it's important. It looks like this. It's on the table right outside the double doors. If you leave through the center doors there, there's a whole bunch of them out there. But I think I'm convinced that we just need to remind ourselves and retrain our mind about areas like this of God's love. And so I want to, as I say often, double dog dare you to pick up one of these. And this week and even beyond, there are seven scriptures on here. And each of them are a reminder to you of how much God loves you. And you can read all seven every day. Or maybe as this outline, maybe this one you just take on Monday and then this verse you take on Tuesday. You just kind of spend the day just thinking about it and chewing on it. Pray it back to God. God, you say this or this is a promise and you remind me of your love for me in this way. And thank you. I know I didn't deserve it. And I know I never earned it. But thank you. Thank you for that. This is important. Please grab one on your way out. Please spend time in God's word. Get this in your mind, graved on your heart. He loves you so much. He really does. Hey, let's pray together, and then we're going to stand, and we're going to worship to the God that loves us. Let's do that. Father, this morning was just a great reminder, and I needed it. Lord, that you love us, that you're for us. Lord, I've had bad days, and I've had days where I look back, and I think, man, I didn't go like I planned. But on that day, just to be reminded again that your love is no less than any other day. So this morning we tell you thank you. Thank you. And I pray this week that, that we would be reminded through a scripture card or any other way that you want to do it. Be reminded of how much you love us. And that we would live life in that place, recognizing that your love, it takes head on the fears that we have. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You see, you are light, you are light, when the darkness closes in, you are hope, you are hope, you have covered all my sin. You are peace, you are peace, and my fear is crippling, you are true, you are true. Joy.
are dismissed. The meeting will start in eight minutes at 1145.